Welcome back to Gals on Topic, your favorite book club, and then some. I'm Sadie. I'm Izzy. And today our topic is Fourth Wing, chapters 16 through 18. Just just two gals this time. It's just two gals, you know, Sadie and Izzy, just the two of us back at it again. And I honestly am shocked no one requested these chapters. These were really good. They were so good. I think that just every chapter is going to be really good at this point. (laughs) That's true. When I say no one requested these chapters, I mean we let guests send us their requests for what chapters they want to be guest stars on the podcast on. And no one had mentioned 16, 17, or 18 to me. And chapter 18 was so good. And I have been actually dying internally since Tuesday, today Sunday, when I read chapter 18 on this cliffhanger that they left us off on. You but have we'll get to, to be, it, but I've been you, dying. You have to be more strategic and like hold the last one for right before we record. I don't have I don't have that kind of willpower. I mean, on Tuesday, <laughs> my, my game plan was just to read chapter 16. But then so much happened that I just kept going. And then I literally <laughs> like threw my book in the air. I was like, damn it. I have to wait five days. It really uh, is quite the cliffhanger at chapter 18. I I think I mean I think it's obvious what it is, but it, like it's not a hundred percent. So I don't know. We'll have to get into it. I'll have to hear your theories. Yeah. Well, I think there's a cliffhanger. We'll get to it, but I think I'm more so curious of the cliffhanger of who is the girl that she's referencing that let them everyone oh, into her room. Oh yeah. <gasps> yeah. Oh my god. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't but we'll get really to it. think about that too much, but. Yeah, we'll need to. I have thoughts. I have thoughts. So we'll get into that. Um, We kind of did our weekend recaps before this, but mostly because it was a mellow weekend. I think the biggest news and item to talk about is I went to the Kelsey Ballerini concert on Thursday. Yes. And I can't wait to hear about it. It looked incredible. It truly was. So, <laughs> so I bought these tickets kind of on a whim my friend invited me and I was like yes because I've been dying to see her and she got really good seats like on the floor um but it's in Knoxville which is like a solid five hours away and I bought these tickets when she first announced this as her hometown show her first it's big deal her first time playing back in her hometown since she's like made it and oh really wait why hasn't she played there since Knoxville is like a big music city I feel like yeah, I don't know. Yeah, it was a huge deal because it was like her, it was very like monumental for her, like going back to her hometown. And maybe she's played there as not the um, headliner because that was oh. the other thing. It was her first arena show as a headliner. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. Um. So it was a really big deal. She had like, she like gave all the all the kids from her old high school tickets to the show like it was it was she was really hyping it up but after I bought the tickets I literally didn't think about it like logistically until like the week before and I was like oh shit how am I getting to Knoxville how far away is that like so I ended up just driving down after work on Wednesday and then worked there during the day 
on Thursday, went to the concert, worked there during the day on Friday, and then drove back. <laughs> that is insane. But more importantly, the actual concert um, was just so good. It really felt so special. Like, she was very emotional the whole time. Her voice is incredible. And she changed the whole set list from her tour that she just went on. And she really, I feel like, was pulling out all of the superstar, like, cliches like she was just like living out every fantasy she ever had and she was like telling us like she was like she had a b stage where she came out on a smaller stage halfway through and did an acoustic set and she was like I always wanted to do one of these and then she did the during penthouse she did what she did at the cmas I think it was or vmas I can't remember but where she like was wearing the white dress and then the light comes on and and ripped it off Mm-hmm. and has the little black dress so she did that during penthouse which is iconic then she also did like she like strapped into this like star that like lifted her up and like carried her above and like had fire shooting out of it when she was singing peter pan and she like came down and she was like did that look cool for you guys because that was scary as shit <laughs> i saw that i saw that like i think on her instagram that she posted that it's so cool and it's uh, I really wish I had gone to this tour because literally like last year when tickets were on sale for some of the early shows they were like 20 to 40 dollars and then she released her album which is all about her divorce and it was so good and she just skyrocketed yeah up the charts and to like a whole new level of fame yeah, she said it was, like, the craziest year of her life. And she's been in the game for, like, 10 years, you know? So yeah. it's, like, and then in this last year, like, she just blew up. And I just love her. I love her personality. Like, but obviously the highlight, which Izzy, you know, because I immediately texted yeah. you during the show, <laughs> was we were sitting on the floor. Or like, we had chairs, but standing on the floor. And right next to, like, where the sound equipment and cameras are, which if you know anything about going to a concert, that if there are, like, celebrities there invited to watch, that's where they're standing because it's, like, has security. And so Chase Stokes, her boyfriend, a.k.a. star of Outer Banks, hottie number one. It John was B. John B. He was <laughs> right there. I swear to God, like, five feet away from me. Like, uh, no, like five feet. You should post some of your videos on TikTok because you could go viral. Like, I feel <laughs> like I've always I always see pictures of people posting like the celebrities at a concert. I'm like, how do you get so close to them? And you are now those people like that's how close you yeah, were, I was, which is crazy. It was coincidental completely. And it was so crazy like I can't even explain like I am so someone who definitely gets like starstruck like I can't say anything like like John my boyfriend was like did you yell John B and I was like no like I didn't say a word like (laughs) I just get too starstruck also he like was definitely trying to be discreet like he came in after the first song and then he left like the second to last song but he was there the whole time he moved a little further away from me to more of like the middle because I was on the side um but when he first got there he was fully five feet away from me and I swear 
honestly, it was like a little bit distracting. Like, <laughs> yeah, like, everything that she did, I immediately turned to see his reaction. Like it was like watching a live rom-com like <laughs> in front of my eyes. Like I like he was laughing at what she was saying. He was singing along to every song, smiling. He was taking pictures of her, recording her when she was like doing a ballad or whatever. He everyone had their lights off and he was like taking a video panning around to everyone. Like he was just like such a proud, sweet, sweet boyfriend. And there was so many cute moments like when she was on the B stage, it was like behind that area where the cameras are. And she played I hate love songs, which I fucking love that song. And in part of it, it's like, I'd rather just show you tonight. And she like stopped singing and like turned around and looked at him. And it was so fucking cute. And then (laughs) I love that. Also, he's he's a major celebrity. Like just being able to also see him is like you said, distracting because you're just seeing him in the wild, like reacting to his girlfriend. It's just yeah. so cute. It's so and, cute. And I, I think I think what's like so crazy is he looks exactly the same in person and that makes him hotter. <laughs> <laughs> I also think my favorite thing about that is that he was there alone. Like he was just there yeah. alone. Yeah, I mean, he did eventually when he moved away from where I was and was more in the middle. He was like conversing with the other people around, but he was definitely like there with Kelsey, not there with those other people. You know what I mean? Yeah, he was mostly in his own world. Yeah. Yeah. And the best part, which I'm sure people could have seen on TikTok was at the her second to last song was when she re-released Rolling Up the Welcome Mat, the for good version she added a song that was like about before like going on her first date or whatever and um she posted or she played a video on the screen that was like one she had taken right before going on the date with chase Stokes. oh yeah i've seen seen that that on instagram yeah Yeah, she she posted it when she released that song yeah yeah and she's like i'm so nervous this is what i'm wearing Ah!" and it's like the cutest video and then she sings this song and at the there's a line where it's like he says he'll pick me up at seven it's six at 652 and she like points at him and he like shrugged at her and it was so cute Ah! (laughs) that's so cute that is so cute i'm just obsessed oh my gosh i yeah that's such that is such a cool experience i am so jealous you got to go to her hometown stop on that tour because i was so sad i missed this tour um it just wasn't in the cards like she was in indie like the weekend we were doing something big I forget what it was but I randomly I saw her when I was a sophomore in high school when she had just released her first album oh um, my god and I was at a music festival and she was the first person of the day to sing oh, like there that's was probably yeah yeah there was probably like 20 people watching her and um my friend Emily and I were front row and then afterwards she like came down and took pictures with us. Like it was really, That's it was so really cool. cute, but look how far she's come. Like now I she's know. dating Chase Stokes. She's, she's like selling out arenas in Knoxville. Like, yeah, that's cool. I have to say, I have seen her one other time and it was also at a music festival. It was a little further down cause she was on the main stage, but like earlier on. And, uh, but I was 19 and getting an MIP as she sang Peter Pan <laughs> in the background. <laughs> 
I forgot. Were you a little bit on edge? <laughs> no, I was like, oh, look how PTSD. far she's come. And look how far I've come. <laughs> okay, one more like thing. No, because- longer, no longer a delinquent. Yeah, truly. Truly. Um, but I, uh, one more thing, because I can't like, I can just skip over this. She also, when she's saying half of my hometown, she brought out Kenny Chesney who like sings on it. Oh on the yeah, track. yeah. And he's also from Knoxville and I love Kenny Chesney and, but it was so weird. He like came out in a sweater and I was like, what? <laughs> he's like just a like beach bum. Beach like, bum. What are you doing here in yeah. a sweater? Like. <laughs> be shirtless so <laughs> yeah. who is this man yeah. uh but no he was really sweet and they're like very good friends because she went on tour with him and everything um then he like came out and he's like i just want to say how proud i am of kelsey and blah 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 like it was so good and she just has an incredible voice her costume changes were amazing like she was just so good so good yeah she's she's perfect and her voice is incredible and i'm so happy for you it looked it's I mean, that was the best show to go to. I feel like you're you're incredibly lucky that you got those tickets. I even. know. I know. Afterwards, I was like, kept going to my friends. I was like, thank you so much for inviting me. Like, <laughs> just so grateful for the opportunity. That's awesome. It looked incredible. All right. Now that we both uh, took sips of our beverages... Um, should we, um, should we, uh, get started in the chapters? Yes. I'm so excited. I plan to start reading immediately after we finish podcasting today. So yeah, I have a lot of pages of notes, so I'm going to try to move quick, but, but there was just so much content, especially in chapter 16. Um, yeah. I don't even remember what happened in 17, but 16 and 18 are, are big ones. Um, it was kind of like, I don't even really remember, and I just read it. Um, it all blurs together. But do you want to start by reading the opening quote for chapter 16? Yes. Yes, I do. Okay, this quote is from The Field Guide to Dragonkind, and it says, Though this officer considers himself to be an expert on all matters dragonkind, there is a great deal we don't know about the way dragons govern themselves. There is clearly hierarchy among the most powerful, and deference is paid to elders, but I have not been able to discern how it is they make laws for themselves, or at what point a dragon decided to bond only to one writer, rather than go for better odds with two. So what were your thoughts on that? Um, I was a little bit confused at the mention of laws I was like I I guess I didn't realize dragons all I mean we see in this chapter that there's kind of a council and there's also kind of guidelines but um that was kind of a new a new little nugget for us to to ponder on um yeah I guess to me it was really just setting up that what is happening to Violet is very much unheard of. You know, I didn't really go right. much deeper into that. It was just very much like, no, we, the humans don't really know how they run things. And, and, uh, 
anything other than one one dragon with one rider is is abnormal and that tarn and and darna are clearly breaking some type of law by both bonding to violet yeah yeah but they didn't right like we learned that in this chapter that there just is no right. law um, right they're they're just doing something that has is against the norm before. but i also yeah. think what's funny is that it says i have not been able to discern how it is they make laws for themselves or at what point a dragon decided to bond with only one rider rather than go for better odds with two riders because it's like well they're even doubling down on that even more and having two dragons with one rider yeah and did that used to be a thing they don't really clarify that but yeah um okay Interesting. well we can get into it so the chapter opens with violet getting her arm stitched oh should i recap where we left off <laughs> that would probably be good okay so chapter 15 ended with the end of threshing she's returned to the flight field and she goes and tells the roll call both of the names of her dragons and basically everyone just goes crazy and that's kind of where it leaves off so she's bonded with both the little golden dragon and the jet the big black dragon and the bbd and um <laughs> the bbd is tarn and the little golden dragon is undarna and um yeah and everyone's freaking out because like we said it's never been seen before um having a rider with two dragons um so the chapter opens with violet getting her arm stitched up and a splint for her ankle from her battle with the um evil trio trying to kill goldie and the generals are all yelling at each other about if this should be allowed or not and jack harlow is also in the medical tent and it's just like staring at tarn and um professor Co- Kaori, who is the professor of dragon kind, is helping Vi with her splint, and he says to her, "You'll you'll be focused on strengthening your bonds and riding in the next couple of months. So as long as you don't have trouble mounting or dismounting, which after what I saw, I don't think you will. This sprain should heal before your next round of challenges." And he's referring to Tarn accommodating her. Um, which is also unheard of, like how he kind of like lowers his leg or whatever so that she can more easily climb onto him. Um, yeah. And also just side note about Jack Harlow is that he did bond and he did get an orange dragon and that's what you predicted. Yeah, I think I did say that. You did because those are the unpredictable ones. Yeah. And that kind of tracks. Yeah. And they also say that it's kind of small. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um so violet asks the professor if he knows who from her squad made it out and he responds that he hasn't seen trina or tynan and violet tells him that he won't be seeing tynan (laughs) and um i don't know who trina is i don't remember who trina is either but I feel like that's a brand spanking new name like that. Yeah. I don't remember a, a Trina anywhere. There are so many, so many people names. and dragons. It's impossible. Yeah, there's so many names. Um, but 
All of a sudden, they hear Jack shouting, what do you mean I need surgery? And Violet, like, can't help but smile. She looks over at him in Locke's eyes, and she's thinking, I'm done being scared of him. He ran back in that meadow. Because if you remember, um, she threw a dagger, and it hit him in the shoulder when they were battling, and he just, like, ran away like a wimp. And um, so that's what he his shoulder needs surgery now. And they lock eyes and Jack goes, you, and points at Violet. And the professor looks at Violet. He's like, you? (laughs) Like, really? (laughs) Jack is so embarrassing. He continues to be so embarrassing. He always makes a point to comment on how weak Violet is, on how she's like the runt of the group and is is a weak link for the wing. And then... He makes such a show about him wanting to kill her and then he can't and then she injures him and he's causing a scene about it. He just should be so embarrassed. I know. He's such a weak villain. Um, but he he struts over to Vi and the professor, Kaori, steps in between them, warning Jack that he might not want to mess with Violet since she has the most powerful dragon of their year. He, he assures him that his orange dragon named Bade was a good choice and he had four other riders before him, but that won't stop Vi's dragon from scorching him if he gets any closer to her. Which I thought him mentioning that Jack's dragon had four other riders before him was like a bad sign. Like you've had four, he's had four riders that all died. Yeah, I don't have a I don't have a benchmark. Like maybe those writers just got old and stopped writing. Like I don't know. I don't know what is a lot. That's true. That's true. To me that sounded like a lot because Tarn only had one other writer and they yeah. get like really sad after they lose their writers. So to me I'm like this this dragon does not give a shit about their writers and they die frequently. But maybe not. I don't know how long dragons live. Um So this is news to Jack. So he hadn't put two and two together that Tarn was uh, Violet's dragon. And he's like, you? And Violet's like, me. (laughs) And Jack turns to the professor and says, I don't know what she told you about what happened out there. But the professor cuts him off and is like, is there something I need to know? And Violet's like, everyone who needs to know already knows. And I wrote that down because I felt like maybe it would lead to something later. Like she can kind of use that against him. But I don't know. Um, Jack kind of like huffs and walks away. Um, and then all the senior writers fly fly in on their dragons, which signifies that threshing is over. I mean, could Violet tattle on him that he was trying to hunt and kill a dragon? She ends up telling her peers, but maybe like... Maybe, I mean, snitches get stitches. Maybe she's like, I'm not going to tell the yeah. professors. <laughs> yeah, but I just, I wonder if they would do anything about it. Do like, anything, I wonder yeah. if she has that kind of leverage over him now. I hope. I hope. But she's not scared of him at the end of the day anymore. Um, So Violet asks the professor if there has ever been anyone who bonded with two dragons. He responds, you would be the first. Not sure why they're fighting about it, though, gesturing to all the generals who are fighting. 
And he says the decision won't be up to them. Nothing about who dragons choose is up to humans. We only like to maintain the illusion that we're in control. Something tells me they've just been waiting for the others to make it back before they meet. So Violet heads back to her dragons. Uh, oh, God. Tarn. <laughs> His name autocrux to train. And for a moment, I blanked on how I'm actually supposed to say it. <laughs> um. <laughs> Want to something funny? Yeah. Um, when I was taking my notes, Zayden now auto capitalizes to Zayden every time I write his name. <laughs> to all caps. <laughs> to all caps. I feel the same way every time he comes up. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, she's back with Tarn and Andarna, and she's like, You two are causing a ruckus, you know? And I will say, through these chapters, I started to like her talking to them, you know? Um, I do, too. I feel like they're just her new besties, like, in Darna's her little gal pal. And then mm-hmm. Tarn is, like, her grumpy uncle who's kind of yeah. looking after her. Um, yeah. But I have to say, you know, they, in the previous 15 chapters, have made dragons seem, like, so scary and, like, you're so intimidated by them. And they're really just, like, losing that image for me. Like, maybe now that probably we have two on our side and, like, Indarna and Tarn are so friendly. But the fact that, like, they have in the scenes all these dragons and they're, like, having this council, it's hard for me to, like, picture them as, like, these big scary things. I don't know. Yeah. They just kind of... I agree. They lose... Yeah, when you're... When we're now bonded with them and, like, have more of their personalities it's like they're not really that scary um but i mean they still can torch them to death that's true that's true um, <laughs> um i just think like the society that they have in dragonhood makes them seem more human-like and less yeah like monster scary dragons yeah mm-hmm. so um then the largest dragon Violet has ever seen, which I'm gonna, no, this is not how you pronounce his name, but I'm gonna go for it. Karach. <laughs> I think you know it. <laughs> uh, so this is, this is the only dragon that's bigger than Tarn, and it's General Melgren's dragon. And he, um, he starts, he lands and starts walking through, and all the dragons are following suit behind him, and Tarn and him are making grunting noises at each other talking about Violet, which Andarna confirms. And Tarn is going with them to have the Emprian, which is basically like a meeting, um, and a dragon meeting. And Tarn says to Violet, stay close to the wing leader until you return. And Violet thinks, surely he meant squad leader. And Tarn goes, you heard what I said. (laughs) (laughs) This is my favorite part of all of the, these three chapters is when like Violet has like just a regular thought and he's like, like (laughs) clarifies. He's like, no, I heard that. I love that. Yeah. Also, I think this was the scene. I mean, I know dragons obviously like walk around. They don't just fly around, but like picturing them all just like clomping over, like a bunch of dragons just like clomping over in a line to like go huddle. <laughs> I was that just took me out of the illusion for a second. <laughs> like, it was just I, a bit I feel much. that. I feel that <laughs> it is. Um, it's giving dragon tails a little bit, but yeah, yeah. <laughs> 
Um, so all the dragons leave to go discuss the picks and everything and mostly Violet probably. And all the ride as soon as they leave, like all the riders are like running to each other to talk about what happened, who they bonded with, and um we learn that Rhiannon got a green dagger tail named Fierge and Riddick got a brown sword tail named Atrome. Atrome. Sawyer Yay Sawyer got a red sword tail named I was so happy for Sawyer. Me too. Slissig. I don't know. That one's hard. But um, so happy for Sawyer. He's the second year who went unbounded last year. And he didn't go fucking, uh, what's the word? Um, feral and try to kill someone for a dragon. He just stuck it out yep. for another year and got another dragon. And I'm really happy for him. Um. But then we also learned that Trina, whoever that is, was seen falling off an orange club tail. So she's out. And then Violet tells them about Tynan and shows them the slice of her arm and what he was about to do, try to kill a dragon. Well, she's about to tell them that he tried to kill a dragon. But then she's spun around by her shoulders and yanked into a hug by none other than Dane. <laughs> So Dane tells a the lot rest- to say about Dane. In these I know. Chapters. I know. Um, Dane tells the rest of the first years in their squad to wait there for the dragon meeting to be done and tells Vi to come with him. And so she's like, oh, surely it's my mother who wants to see me. <laughs> but it's not. <laughs> he takes her to the edge of the field where they are hidden in a shadow. And I yep, wrote, hidden in a shadow. Wink, Zayden, wink. Zayden, question mark? <laughs> um, and he grabs her hands, interlocking his fingers with hers, and asks her what the heck happened out there. He heard she bonded with two dragons, and he says, they're going to make you choose. And Vi pulls away from him, and she's like, I'm not choosing. And he Would says, it kill him? Would it kill him to say congratulations for once? I know. I know. For once? What a negative Nelly. Like, it's always a problem. He's been telling her this whole time. She's not going to bond. She she can't do it. She's going to get killed and he's going to have to watch. And then she bonds with two dragons and the biggest, baddest, blackest dragon. And he can't even take a moment to be like, congrats he has to find another problem to solve for her it's so 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 annoying yeah yeah it is and violet is pissed too i mean i get it he that's the thing is like it is totally valid as someone who really cares about violet to have all these concerns but you just have to pair it with the i'm proud of you congratulations like you did it you know You have to have both. If you're going to have the negative side, you have to have the positive too. And let me help you. You know what I mean? And he's just speaking out of his ass. Like he doesn't know. He, no one's ever bonded with two dragons before. How does he know what the law is that she's going to have to choose? He's just like creating a problem. Well, he has, he makes somewhat of a point here. So she tells her that he's like, you have to trust me. Like you have to choose Undarna. The gold one is the safest choice. And Violet is so pissed. She's thinking he's just saying that because he thinks I'm too weak for Tarn. But, um, but they continue to argue. And Dane finally tells her 
why she has to pick Goldie. And he explains that Tarn and Segale are mated dragons, meaning they cannot be separated for long or their health diminishes. So they'll be stationed together, which means that she will be, um, she will have to be in the same station as Zayden and Zayden will a hundred percent get her killed, which I don't believe, but that's Dane's logic. Like he's not saying you have to choose or you have to choose the gold one because you're weak in his mind. Like, she's going to be forced to be stationed with Zayden, who's going to kill her. Yes, but we find out that's it's actually the opposite. Zayden now basically has to protect her because it's like a chain reaction. If she dies, Tarn is sad. Tarn and Segale are linked. So, like, if Tarn dies, basically Segale dies too. And then basically so, Zayden oh, also we're Also, we're skipping over the fact that their dragons are mates. Like we're that is that was huge. I gasped. Yeah. I was like, of course, of course, their dragons are mates. Well, obviously, their writers have to be compatible. Yeah. Like, of course, they have to spend this time together. It's yeah, perfect. Exactly. It's perfect. perfect for them to fall in love. I'm screaming into my microphone. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So Dane's like, just tell me what happened, and she tells him everything that happened during threshing. And Dane is shocked seeing that Zayden was there watching her defend Andarna and then left as soon as Tarn showed up. He says, don't you see what happened? What Zayden's done? But before Violet can ask, Zayden appears from the shadows, of course, just waiting for his name to be brought up and says, please do (laughs) tell me what you think that it is I've done. And I also was like, yeah, please tell us what did what did he do? Like violet bonded like what what's what's wrong here yes and this conversation is really like it's mostly dialogue that i have to recite but like it's also the beginning of the end for dane if nothing he said previously was the this is so dane says yes oh sorry go ahead i was just gonna say my final note for this chapter is dane equals done oh damn Okay, so this is what happens. Uh, <laughs> Dane says, you manipulated threshing. And Zayden's like, is that an official accusation? And Dane's like, did you step in? And Zayden says, did I see her outnumbered and already wounded? Did I think her bravery was as admirable as it was fucking reckless? Did I see her fight off three bigger cadets? Because the answer to all of those is yes. But you're asking the wrong questions. What you should be asking is if Segale saw it too. She's never been a fan of bullies, but don't mistake it as an act of kindness toward you. She's fond of the little dragon. Unfortunately, Tarn chose you all on his own. And Fi's like, oh my God, his mate told him. And Dane's like, fuck. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and uh, I, okay. I kind of feel like I really want to know what Zayden's pov was through that like zayden did was he going know to step that in. i don't think that he did anything with tarn i think he was gonna step in if he had to but also i'm i'm wondering like did he kind of know that that chain of events would occur like Sigale is seeing violet defend this golden dragon Sigale is in her mind always connected to tarn Tarn shows up to like defend Violet who's defending the golden dragon which like that kind of makes sense you know and in the end Tarn did save Violet 
So it kind of create like Zayden bringing Segale there created that chain of events pretty clearly. But I mean, I think that's great. Yeah, like, I don't I think, don't that's think a problem. there was maybe there was manipulation involved. I think that there's just like a greater plan that Zayden has for um, for Violet, and I don't know what that is yet. Something to do with Brennan, and I think he was just there looking out for her in general like i think he was probably watching yeah. her the entire threshing um and so i think it was lucked out and just honestly destiny <laughs> destiny i guess even if even if Sigail was communicating with Tarn, Tarn still had to like show up suss violet out and see if he wanted to yeah bond with her like dane would have no control over i that. also think tarn was like probably already knew about liking Sorengale because of presentation day like when she was sticking up for the for goldie then yeah that's true also in this conversation i just wrote that zayden really makes a great point like why is dane all bent out of shape about this like again Dane should be happy that she has the BBD exactly so let, let me get into that so Zayden says Soren Gale is the last person on the continent I'd ever want to be chained to me I didn't do this and he steps closer to Dane and says and even if I had would you really level that accusation knowing it would have it would have been what saved the woman you call your best friend and Dane's like uh, uh there are rules and Zayden continues and out of curiosity would you have let's say bent those rules to save your your precious little Violet in that field and then in this moment Violet's remembering how right before Tarn showed up Zayden had like taken a step and moved toward her and then when Tarn showed up he left so like he was definitely going to step in and bend those rules if Tarn hadn't showed up yep and Dane takes like way too long to answer um but finally responds and says no I wouldn't have which just cuts Violet's heart like a knife and seals it's also it seals his demise it one in this conversation he was just being emasculated by Zayden like repeatedly over and over again like Zayden was just like playing with him he's like oh you're gonna you're going to accuse me of something? Like, tell me, what did I do? I saved your friend? That's what you think I did? Why are you so mad about yeah. it? Like, <laughs> he just totally just, like, twisted his logic and was like, you're a fool. Mm-hmm. And you really two, bad forcing Dane to say that makes him look so bad. And I have to think, I have to think there comes a time when he doesn't bend the rules to save her. Like, he's going to be part of her getting in trouble or something yeah i'm i'm worried that with his little mind reading signet and violet saying that he's going to be a really great interrogator that he's going to at some point be in charge of interrogating her yeah i could totally see that maybe in like book two i feel like it's not in this book but who knows she moves so quick (laughs) they move so quick we're already she already she already is thrushed. She already has two dragons. 18 chapters two in. Two dragons. <laughs> she already has two dragons. Um, yeah. Uh, so, so he orders, Zayden orders Dane to like get back into formation again, just emasculating him. And Violet asks Zayden, why would you do that to him? 
And Zayden says, because you put too much faith in him and knowing who to trust is the only thing that will keep you alive, keep us alive, not only in the quadrant, but after graduation. And basically, then he goes on to explain that ultimately, if Vi Vi dies, Tarn dies, which Sigil dies and Zayden dies, like we just explained. Um, So and and also like because the reason it would have such a huge impact on Tarn is because he's so powerful. His bonds are also even more powerful. And with each each bond they enter into, the bonds get stronger and stronger. So because Violet is his second bonded rider, he's even more strongly bonded to Violet. And so if she dies, it will like nearly kill him, which will therefore nearly kill Sigil, et cetera, et cetera. So he then also warns to Violet that the unbonded cadets are going to try and kill her as well in hopes that they'll get to bond with Tarn um, over the next few weeks while her bond to him is still pretty weak. He says there are 41 unbonded riders for which you are now target number one. And I'm just like, is she just always target number one? Is she just, can she never breathe? It just never ends. We can never relax. No. And then the dragons return and General Melgren announces that as basically as there has never, this has never happened before where there's been two dragons bonding to one rider. They don't have a law for it and therefore it's fine. And he says, even though it may seem unequitable, Violet's bond stands. (laughs) Yeah, Malgrin's pissed. Mm-hmm. Malgrin is pissed. Um, I also, I want to call out two things that our former guest star, Holly, said to me about this chapter and these two dragons in particular, um, which I thought were interesting comments. We were talking this past week and she was saying how the two dragons that Violet got are like the two sides of her personality kind of like you have Andarna who on this well I mean right now she's like what we know about her is she's little she is more like gentle she doesn't like the violence you know they say she's not a fighter and then you also have the most powerful dragon that there is so it really represents Violet well yeah I love it for her it's perfect and that's why they bonded to her destiny yeah um the second thing she said the second thing she said is that it was more of a thought starter um but I thought it was I thought it was a good point she was saying like clearly the the dragon kind have these laws and this structure and hierarchy and and Darna is so little and seemingly powerless that they could easily just like check her and be like no like get in line like you can't bond you can't do this but yet like but the they most don't. powerful dragons love her and are fond of her right yeah. like Sigale and Tarn so she definitely she's she's sneaky gonna be the most powerful dragon I somehow for sure for sure like power wise yeah yeah um yeah I'm so excited to learn about her powers I think we get a little taste at the end of these three chapters but like I'm I'm so excited to see all of her powers like I think she has to have two signets yeah. right like she has to have two totally 
And I think at the end of chapter 18, we learn what Andarna gave her, but we don't know the other one yet. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so all of a so they are told, the writers are told to step forward and they basically all get like blasted with a tattoo, <laughs> which is just a relic of their bonded dragon. And it will eventually be like the portal you could say in which magnet or magnet magic will flow through them. Um, so violets is cool. It's across her back. Um, it says, where is it? Mm-hmm-hmm. Okay. Her black re- relic is a dragon mid flight that stretches from shoulder to shoulder. And in the center has the silhouette of a shimmering gold, gold, uh, dragon, which is that so is cute. Cool. Um, so Dane had been the one to run over and like unzip her vest to see what her relic was. And then he, he's like, holy shit, you have to see this is so cool. And then she, when her dragon like shows her through her eyes and, um, when she comes back, Dane grabs her face, he's like tilting it up towards him and starts to assure her that he would do anything to save her and keep her safe, despite what Zayden was trying to insinuate. And she's just like, I know you just want to keep me safe, even though like her heart like is breaking. She's like, I know what I know you try to keep me safe up until the rules. And he says, you have no idea how I feel about you. And his thumb is stroking her cheek and he looks into her eyes and he kisses her. And she hates it. She hates it. (laughs) But I was so sad because... I don't know why. I think I'm just, like, dying for some action. Like, I was so excited for them to kiss. I want them to hook up, even though he sucks. Is that is that wrong? I don't me? anymore. Is that wrong? I don't me? anymore. I think up until, up until this past chapter, maybe. But him saying that he wouldn't bend the rules to save her, done. Like, you're, you're right. done. Yeah, you're right. You're there's no coming back from that. And why he thought he could kiss her after saying that is beyond me. Like that would obviously hurt her so much. And it's just an unattractive quality. Like you don't, you don't want a boyfriend who's like, oh yeah, I'll protect you, but not if it breaks a rule. Like it just is so not, it's not it. And then he kisses her for the first time. Like there were so many opportunities when she would have jumped at that. And he chose the only wrong option. Yeah. Yeah. She th- She's thinking, after years, Dana is finally kissing me. The thrill is gone in less than a heartbeat. There's no heat, no energy, no slice of lust. Disappointment sours the moment, but not for J- Dane. He's all smiles as he pulls away. It was over in an instant. It was everything I've ever wanted except shit. I don't want it anymore. And that's the end of the chapter. She's grown. Dane equals She's done. grown out of him. I think it's like, I think this happens a lot to people who have like childlike fantasies about someone in their life. It's almost like you've built it up so much in your head and you don't even realize that you've like fully grown out of it until you finally give into it or get it and you're like oh actually I've like completely outgrown this childhood fantasy 
you know? Yeah. I, I imagine that's kind of like that when you build up anyone in your head mm-hmm. that much. That when it actually happens, it's it can never live up to your expectations. For sure. And also, I mean, he's always tearing her down. If he had just been like, Violet, congratulations. Yeah. I'm so happy for you takes her in his arms and kisses her this would have been a very different chapter you're so right but no you're so right also i just noticed on the front of my book that there is one black dragon and one gold dragon on the front cover where's the gold one? Oh, in the middle it's in the middle yeah how did we not see that i just didn't think it was important <laughs> Wow, the answer was right on the Until front now. the whole time. I know. Um, okay, so will you start us off on chapter 17 with the quote? I would be honored to. It says, It is therefore only natural that the more powerful the dragon, the more powerful the signet its writer manifests. One should beware of a strong rider who bonds a smaller dragon, but even warier of the unbonded cadet who will stop at nothing to seize a chance to bond. So what this told me is, one, Andarna is really freaking powerful because it says right here, a strong rider can bond a smaller dragon. So it must, like, maybe that just means they have a strong signet. And then two, Violet's about to get attacked. Oh, I took this as a, I took that line as a different way. So I definitely agree that the unbonded cadet, they should be warier of an unbonded cadet because they're going to try to go after you for the bigger, better dragon. But the line that says, beware of a strong rider who bonds a smaller dragon. I think that they're saying like a strong rider who bonded like a less powerful dragon might go after you and kill you so they can have your bigger more powerful dragon so i was thinking jack harlow with his small orange dragon like he's still a threat because he still wants tarn over his his orange one you know oh no that's good i took it as if there's a strong rider who bonds a a small dragon like that dragon might be stronger than they see yeah i i read it as that at first and then i reread it but now thinking about how in the last chapter there's a rider who helps the unbonded ones maybe that's like foreshadowing that like that girl's helping because like she wants a stronger dragon too i don't know i don't know could be many things it's all the things she just needs to you know stay on guard always (laughs) always stay vigilant (laughs) okay so chapter 17 opens with the next morning everyone is waking up all smiles on their faces they're in their own bedrooms after becoming writers the day before and and celebrating becoming writers wink wink seems like everyone got laid that night except violet and um <laughs> they they uh are still everyone's coming out of their rooms Rhiannon comes out and followed by Sawyer so they hooked up another couple walks out of the door next to rise Liam who I guess is important um he start- <laughs> <laughs> per Holly he walks out with another first year um his arm around her waist etc so they head to breakfast 
and Orin, who was one of the three bad boys trying to attack the dragon and Violet, golden dragon and Violet, he ended up not bonding. And so he is stuck on breakfast duty where Violet used to be. And there's just like a full power shift shift amongst yep. all of the tables. Like Orin's doing breakfast duty. Like everyone's like saying hi, Violet, and getting out of her way. And and uh, Jack Harlow's like having trouble finding a place to sit. And everyone is sitting next to Violet. And it's it's very interesting. And, and um, Violet's very confused. And Imogen which is like pink haired girl who ripped her shoulder out of place. Um, and then these other girls, Quinn, Heaton and Emery who have never even looked at Rhiannon, Riddick or Violet before all join them at their table at breakfast. And Violet's like super confused. Rhiannon's like, uh, you never wanted to sit with us before. Like what the fuck are you doing? And <laughs> Imogen simply responds, you weren't interesting enough to sit with before. It's fully just like they didn't spend time to make friends with them because they just like assumed that they would be dead after threshing. Which, fair. It's kind of fair. Most people apparently do die. So why, you know, waste getting to know someone <laughs> <laughs> or invest that time? Yeah, or but, just um, invest the, like, your relationships, you know. You don't want to like someone and then them die. Totally. I mean... I, you know, I have no love for Jack Harlow, but I was like a little bit, I was thinking this is just a little bit too dramatic. Like all of a sudden he has no friends because he got kind of a small dragon. Like he still has a dragon. I thought that was aggressive too. Like he really didn't do anything. I mean, he's done like a lot people of are things, like basically they're making it sound like people are elbowing him out of the table. I know. <laughs> he literally doesn't have somewhere to sit. Like it's a little bit, it's a little bit much, and people are like falling over themselves to sit with Violet. It's just yeah, it's super weird. It's just funny. It's super weird dynamic. Um, so Violet was afraid to get any like prepared food <laughs> for breakfast because she's like, uh, I know how I poisoned everyone. Like I don't want Orin poisoning me. So she only gets fruit and, and Rhiannon and Imogen are like, you need to eat protein. Like you can't, you got to be getting stronger to not fall off your dragon, blah, blah, blah. And Imogen, like, she tells them like, I'm scared that I got poisoned. <laughs> and Imogen like scuffs and gives her her sausage links or whatever. And Violet's like hesitant to take it from her. But then she hears Tarn in her head go, you can trust her. Which I thought was very interesting. Um, she can she just be a rebel already? It's so obvious. I know. It's so obvious. I know. I know. Um, and then Imogen tells Violet to meet her in the sparring gym after class. She says, "I'm going to help you with weights. We need to strengthen the muscles around your joints before challenges resume. That's the only way you'll survive." And Violet says, "Since when do you care about my survival?" And Imogen says, since now. But when she says that, she kind of makes like a small, quick glance towards Zayden, which makes it very clear to Violet that Zayden has ordered her to help her. And well, what other reason would Im- Imogen possibly have to keep her alive? Obviously, it's to keep Zayden alive. Yeah. Yeah. Which I wonder if Imogen does have a crush on Zayden or if she's just simply following orders. 
I mean, he sounds very attractive. I'm sure she has a little bit of a crush. I'm sure everyone does. <laughs> um, and uh, the then she, this line was just so dramatic because she should know better by now. But Violet thinks Zayden Ryerson is now in the business of keeping his mortal enemy alive. It, that was so dramatic. That was. So I was like, you know, dramatic. he's not your mortal enemy by now. Like, come on. <laughs> Um, <laughs> yeah, that was a little bit too. I, I don't like when they have those like paragraph breaks, insert super dramatic line. Like, yes, it reads a little cheesy to me. Me too. Me too. Um, so the chapter jumps to Violet and Imogen. Oh, wait, no, sorry. The chapter jumps to them in the train in training at the flight field. Um, there's some nice banter between Tarn and Vi and Andarna isn't there because she can't fly. She's too small. Um, but Tarn and Vi, like, they really have, like, a nice relationship almost immediately, I feel like. They're, like, very comfortable with each other immediately. Um, but it's time to mount their dragons, and their only task today is to stay on, um, which Violet cannot do. And <laughs> everyone's mounting their dragons um, just as they did to get over the last ascent in Gauntlet. And Violet thinks... I've bonded the biggest and certainly the grumpiest dragon in the quadrant, and yet he has to make accommodations for me. And I liked what Tarn said here. He says, there are accommodations for me. I've seen your memories, and I'm not about to have you sticking daggers into my leg to climb up. Now let's go. Yeah, that was funny. Um, That's what I mean. He's just like, he's funny. He's not. He's he's got her back. Intimidating at all. Yeah. He, he like I like how um, he's like reassuring to her and like like validating her feelings and boosting her up without just like blatantly handing out compliments. Like he's like telling her to get those intrusive thoughts out of her head, but not like being like, "You're the smartest and bravest and strongest little rider." You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, no, he's like I said, he reminds me of like a like a grumpy uncle. Yeah. He he loves her, but he's not overpowering or like showering her with compliments. Yeah. Um so they're flying and Violet feels the magical invisible bands that Tarn kind of uses with his powers to hold her on. And she protests and says she has to learn to stay on without his help. Because she doesn't want him, when they're in battle, like, he needs to be using his full powers in battle and not to hold her on. And Tarn's like, I'm plenty powerful for both. Like, this is nothing. Um, but she's very persistent. And he's, like, fine. And he takes him off. And she immediately falls. And he catches her. <laughs> and then she falls again. And he catches her. And again and again and again and again. So... The chapter cuts to later that evening and she's like super sore from being falling and caught and falling and caught. But she's headed to the sparring gym to meet Imogen. And on her way there, Dane like runs up after her and stops her to talk. And they kind of go over how the day went. And Dane tells Violet that she should tell Tarn to take it easy on her because there's not like there's any aerial threat besides griffins, which dragons can easily take down. Which I'm like, okay, just foreshadowing the future aerial threat that will that they will eventually <laughs> have to face. Yep. And uh, and Tarn's like, tell him to mind his own business. <laughs> and Violet like kind of laughs, but um, 
But Dane starts to bring up their kiss, telling Violet that it shouldn't have happened. And Violet is like, oh, thank God. He also didn't enjoy it. He's about to say that, like, they should do that again, whatever. Um, But then he continues to say that they shouldn't do it again because of rank and chain of command and the rules. Not because he just doesn't feel that way about her. And... Violet like thinks something very bold. She literally says it makes her lose a little bit of respect for him, which she's just <laughs> like, "You're such a, like a weenie." Is <laughs> basically what she's thinking. He's also a hypocrite because he broke the rules to kiss her, but he wouldn't break the rules to save her. Yeah, that's true. But he's like mad at himself for doing that. Like he's like, I really shouldn't. But I think that a kissing her is not like an actual written rule. It's just like extremely frowned upon. And he's just like, we just shouldn't, you know? Yeah. Still, I, I was him. just like, I Dane, I lost respect for him. I mean, I my respect for him is already low. And through these chapters, it's absolutely plummeted. So I, know. I get it. He's totally, he's totally out. Um, and so they, they have a long conversation, but eventually Imogene butts in and is like, uh, hurry up. I've been waiting. And as they're setting up their first exercise, Violet asks Imogen, you're only doing this because Zayden is making you right. And Imogen says, rule number one, he's Ryerson to you first year. And you never get to question me about him ever. And this makes Violet think her first suspicions about them being lovers is true and feelings resembling jealousy boil up again. And then she just starts working out and that's the end of chapter 17. Yeah, she's doing that basically like an old time version of that inner thigh exercise at the gym. Yeah. She yeah. <laughs> like squeeze the two panels together. I loved when they were describing it. They were like two planks of wood in these rocks. And I'm like, Oh, I know. I know exactly the equipment you're talking about. That shit yeah. burns. Just make it, make it medieval sounding, <laughs> but make it medieval. <laughs> That's good. Oh my God. Okay. Chapter 18. Um, this one is, this one is interesting. So do you want to kick off with the uh, quote? Yes. It says, there is nothing more sacred than the archives. Even temples can be rebuilt, but books cannot be rewritten. And that is from the guide to excelling in the scribe quadrant. Okay. So I think that I wrote. Is there an old version of a book that tells the true history of the rebellion that Violet stumbles upon? <gasps> oh, I love that. In I had zero thoughts about this one. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> we'll see. There's nothing really in this chapter that lends to that. But um, so, well, one thing actually I thought did stand out because I guess now I'm as I'm saying this it does relate back to this intro quote but she is in the scribe quadrant and she's asking about Mm -hmm. um getting that that childhood book that has the wyverns in it and the scribe her scribe friend can't find it so i was like oh my gosh that book has been removed because wyverns are real that's the aerial threat that's what's gonna be that's what's breaking down the what's it called the 
force wards. field the wards the wards um and yeah, totally clearly agree. the government's like censoring what information is out there but i i love corrupt governments in books in books (laughs) (laughs) i love that shit in real life (laughs) (laughs) okay so the chapter opens with violet making her way down to the archives in the scribe quadrant because she has been assigned archive duty where basically she returns books and takes out books every day based on like what the professor asks for her to get and it brings her a lot of nostalgia when she goes there. She feels very much at home. Um, and she waits at the front desk when an old friend, a scribe first year, Justinia, greets her. They are signing to each other. Like they are speaking in sign language, which was interesting. Um, and they're catching up. And Violet tells her she is actually really happy as a writer. Um, so that was like a nice realization that she has as Jacinia is like asking her about it. Um, so she gives Jacinia the the returns from the professor from Professor Devera and um, a new list of books she's requesting. And just like the nostalgia of being in the archives and seeing an old friend makes her ask if they have the fables of the Baron, which is what you were just talking about. It has the folklore with the wyvern that her and Rhiannon were discussing during presentation day. And Jacinia says she's never heard of it, but we'll look for it um, when, as she's fulfilling the other requests. Requests. I can't say requests because of my retainer. Sorry. Um, <laughs> um, so there's a scene where um, the scribe professor... Um, Professor Markham, who comes to Battle Brief and stuff, like she runs into him and he's like, oh, my, my, she was going to be my star pupil, but, you know, now she's a rider with two dragons. And it's like a sweet moment. And um, I feel like this is just like a happy scene where um, Violet's just like really feeling like she's where she belongs. And right. uh, And she's, she's seeing what her life could have been and she's realizing she's actually happier doing what she's doing now yeah and Andarna kind of speaks in her mind and says are you sad it's hard to love a second home as much as the first and Violet says back it's easy when the second home is the right one cute yeah um so Jacinia returns but said there was no sign of the fables that Vi requested which is very strange Violet thinks because the archives have a copy if not two of every book which makes me think that her maybe her father was in with the rebels or what you said about the book having been removed makes more sense but I'm confused because Rhiannon had also read them yeah yeah it wasn't just a book that her family just had like yeah that was a sounded like a like a fairy tale read to kids that was popular. So I'm, I'm guessing that the corrupt government removed them because that actually is a real threat and Mm -hmm. they don't want people to know about it. And I, I'll say this later. Well, I guess I'll say it now, but (laughs) this will come up later, but I'm also thinking that's why they kill people who can read minds whose signet ability is to read minds, not like Dane, who whose is limited, but 
the person later who can read everyone's mind from a distance and then they just kill him right there. I think that's because they don't want, they're obviously covering things up and that person would be a huge threat. Oh yeah. They're, it's a forbidden signet. So we'll get into that too. We don't like even get that much information about it, but that scene was like kind of scary to me. <laughs> it was scary. And they, they didn't explain, they didn't say a single reason why it's forbidden so to me, that's like, okay, well, they don't want that person to read their minds and discover all the secrets. What other reason could it be to be forbidden? Yeah, I mean, I do kind of understand why it's forbidden, but let, let me hold, let's hold on to that, that thought for a second. Okay. So Violet makes it to breakfast and sitting with her squad, she's talking to Sawyer, who is starting to be the first to display any sort of powers, including his signet, which... He can manipulate metals. And let me just tell you, they called him a metallurgist. And I about fell out of my chair. I cannot get away from my job. <laughs> Metallurgists are a big part of my client's operations. Is that a real word? <laughs> yes. Yes, it is. Oh. I'm, like, I can't oh, I'm so sorry. Away. You have to bring, oh you have to bring work into... into- John just walked in and it scared the shit out of me. <laughs> he said, I live here. <laughs> okay. Yeah, sorry. We were talking, I was having, you know, talking about my trauma reading this book and then, <laughs> and then John walked yeah. in. It's really hard. I, I'm sorry that work had to infringe upon this book for you. No, it's okay. It was funny. Um, but so then Quinn, another writer, tells them that the rest will manifest their signets when their dragon is ready to trust them. But you have to hope they do it within six months or. <laughs> Thank you for that dramatic effect. Basically, That's it sounds they, like you die. That's what they do. <laughs> They just kept oh. acting like they implode. They she keeps saying that they just have like would mimic explosions. <laughs> like yeah, they just basically implode with the magic, which doesn't really like make it's any in sense, you, but, but it, you can't like it's the magic is in you, but it can't be released or something. So you just yeah die. I don't know. But yeah. another another request that we've had Sadie is that we keep track of everyone's signet. Because oh. obviously they're about to all start popping up for all these characters. So let's keep a list. Okay. So, so far we have Sawyer. Sawyer. <laughs> Metallurgist. <The> Metallurgist. <laughs> um, do we have anyone else? Should we have, should we have Zayden Shadow Whisperer? <laughs> Yeah. And then um Dane, Dane mind limited reader, mind reading. Limited mind reading. What a <laughs> mind reader light. <laughs> light. Okay. All right. So, but my favorite line when they were talking about this is how like they might implode if their magic never manifests <laughs> was Riddick. He's like 
fuck me it's always something around here and i just yeah. died because it's like my thoughts exactly <laughs> same same like what you were saying earlier when you were like god we can never relax like she's always she's always being hunted for something either she's too weak or she's too powerful like can't we just be right in the middle yeah riddick gives me ron weasley vibes like this is what ron <laughs> would say fuck me is there always something around here it's always something that is a ron here. weasley line I love it. Um, okay, so they head out to the field for training and see Jack Harlow kind of like have someone in a headlock, like rubbing their head affectionately in excitement. And Riddick tells them that Caroline Ashton, who bond- bonded with Glean, a dragon, this morning, and she was unbonded at threshing, but bonded with Glean after his rider died at their first flight lesson this was just so this was just like kind of queuing up um a later scene just to kind of show that like the dragons will rebond but can you explain to me can you explain to me how jack harlow was friends with someone who was unbonded like there's no way he's not friends with people who are bonded they all don't like him he has a wimpy dragon that's true that's true i guess but he was all about like oh i'm not like i like you're too weak i'm gonna kill you so he's but he now he's all buddy buddy with people who are unbonded like so i think what it is is when you think of like a bully and their um disciples (laughs) what's the better word uh i think that's a perfect word uh they go to people who will look up to them and will listen to them and so if you have a weak dragon, like other people who have badass dragons are not going to like look up to you. So he probably like went to the next lowest thing to be like, yeah. follow me, you know? No, it's but a I did have a similar thought. It was just jarring to see him in a, like a friendly little session, you know, yeah. in, a, in that setting. Like when, when they said, oh, Jack Harlow has this girl in a headlock. I was like, oh God, he's about to snap someone else's neck. And then. <laughs> said he was just like giving her a little noogie of congratulations i was like oh yeah classic jack harlow friend to the people a little noogie i love that um okay so the chapter jumps to the end of their flight lesson where vi and tarn are chatting while she checks for debris beneath his scales as one would to clean out the hooves of their horse after a ride um she asks him if Andarna can join them next week because she never gets to see her but Tarn tells her that there's no use in her coming she can't keep up and Violet's like I'm always stuck with your grumpy ass and Tarn says this grumpy ass caught you a dozen times silver one <laughs> and uh they're Violet like a little says, family I know they're so cute um and Violet says eventually you could call me Violet you know And Tarn says, I know, and I could call you violence like the wing leader. (laughs) Violet replies. If only that nickname was actually cute. I still think that that really is catching on. I know, I know. Um, But I I took took Tarn saying that as like kind of making fun of the fact that he calls her violence. Yeah. Yeah. And and Tarn, Tarn basically has a window into Zayden's head because... I think I am right. Like, t- like Tarn and Sigail can read each other's minds. Well, yeah. And Sigail can read Zayden's mind. So 
I don't think they can read each other's, like, Sigil and Taran can read each other's minds, but they definitely talk. Oh, they just talk. Okay. Um, Or talk via mind. Like, they can tell each other things from far away. I don't know. I don't really know. But I'm sure there's going to be some matchmaking between Sigil and Tarn. Like, I'm sure they want their writers to be together. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But Violet says back to him, you wouldn't dare. You know how much that ass annoys me. That's my favorite line. So then Tarn laughs and he's like, annoys you? Is that what you call it when your heart rate? (laughs) And he gets cut off. But I just thought that was so funny. Um, yeah that would actually it in all these books it's like you know there's a mind reading aspect and it's kind of cute it it like is kind of fun if someone was in my mind that would be the most terrifying thing of all time like that is just can you imagine how intimate that is yes she can't have any thoughts like I keep waiting for them to like have the class where they can learn how to block their dragon out like you oh, need to have is that a some thing? boundaries. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they can see her dreams. They can see everything she's seeing. It's just, that is a lot. What's mm-hmm. going to happen when her and Zayden hook up? Tarn's just going to be in her right. head? Is he just going to be there? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, um, um, where was I? So he's cut off and... Instead of finishing his sentence, he just starts growling because Dane is approaching. And he there's like a little funny back and forth, but ultimately he like makes Dane or makes her tell Dane word for word, if you harm me, he'll scorch you to the ground where you stand. I did a horrible job reading that. But basically it's just funny. Like he clearly Tarn doesn't like Dane. It's um, giving it's giving dog. Like, yeah. you know how people always say dogs are a good judge of character. And sometimes yeah. it's true. Sometimes you bring someone home and your dog just doesn't like them and it's super awkward. It's yep. Tarn just doesn't like Dane. Nope. And I I understand. I understand. But um, he ends up flying away and Dane grabs Violet and shouts, why didn't you tell me you can't keep your fucking seat? Like, just real aggressive. Real, real aggressive from the start. And she's like, it's not a secret. And they fight. And only out of concern, of course. But again, he's just very patronizing and demeaning. Treating her like a child. Violet does a good job sticking up for herself. But also showing him grace. Because she thinks she would feel the same way if roles were reversed. But ultimately, he's just like, really being aggressive being like you should have told me i could have helped i didn't know you're falling off so much like blah blah blah. and he says i'm terrified you're not going to make it to graduation by you know exactly how i feel about you whether or not i can do anything about it and i'm terrified and violet can't help (sighs) herself she laughs and then has this just mic drop moment and this is really the end so i'm just gonna read the whole quote because it's good i highlighted it in my book okay this place cuts away the bullshit and the niceties revealing whoever you are at your core isn't that what you said to me 
Is this who you really are at your core? Someone so enamored with rules that he doesn't know when to bend or break them for someone he cares about? Someone so focused on the least I'm capable of doing, he can't believe I can do so much more? Let's get one thing straight, Dane. The reason we'll never be anything more than friends isn't because of your rules. It's because you have no faith in me. Even now, when I have survived against all odds and bonded not just one dragon, but two, you still think I won't make it. So forgive me, but you're about to be some of the bullshit that this place cuts away from me. Yeah, that was good. And that was finally. so good. So good. Freaking finally. It's what I wrote. It was it was was time, and he was shook. She left him shaken in his boots. He also said one uh, thing that just like really pissed me off. He mm -hmm. at one point he was saying, he said, and I don't remember what what part this was, but um, he was basically saying like again she only got past the gauntlet because she cheated, and he was like, you know, Amber complained to me for like an hour after that, and I was like. Oh, Amber complained to you. Poor Dane. Like you can both F all the way off. Like you're going to listen to Amber Mavis complain about, about Violet, your actual friend and not tell her to like fuck off. Like Violet can do what she wants. Like, oh my God, that just, that was honestly like the, one of the worst things he's done so far for me. And he was like, and she was like, why didn't you just ask me for the story? Like I told i read off i or i uh justified it with the rules of the codex and zayden was fine with it like she's like you could have just asked me and he's like well she's a wing leader and she's like so is zayden like yeah she's crazy he's crazy i also wrote that unfortunately dane has become tamlin that's really that's where we're at it is it is he has sealed his coffin uh if Mm -hmm. that's the phrase sealed his Uh. fate yeah, what's the coffin one? Nailed his nailed, coffin shut? Nailed his coffin. <laughs> nailed his coffin. I got to stop with the phrases. They never work for me. Uh, <laughs> uh, but anyway, so Violet is like storming back into the school. She's in the rotunda where Garrick and Zayden, among others, are hanging out. Rhiannon like sees how pissed off she is and runs up to her. And she's like, is everything all right? Um, but just as she's about to explain what happened this another first year named jeremiah comes like running in shrieking and he's like make it stop make it stop with his hands on his head and he starts to point at people one by one and just yelling out their thoughts like no control and zayden like comes up to violet and he's like clear your mind start thinking of all the bookish shit you've learned to like keep if he goes to her so he doesn't like speak things that are in her mind and someone's yelling he's an intrinsic which means he can just read people's mind and I guess at this point like he has no control over it because it's new and you still have to like learn how to um like once you start showing signs of your um we learned this with Sawyer but once you start showing signs of your signet ability you start going to class with professor Carr who's like the signet professor and And because you're like and he's scary yeah and you have to like learn how to you know manage it manipulate it so like when you're in in intrinsic you have no way of controlling it so you're just like looking around and like yelling everyone's thoughts so i kind of like understand like if you're in a war you can't just be like yelling out 
strategy that like in front of an enemy like i could understand why that would be something that's like a threat to society but that's what i that's what i was wondering about i wrote down is is mind reading a death sentence because the power is too much to handle and is uncontrollable or is it because the leaders don't want people to know the truth i mean i'm thinking it's because i think it's yeah yeah, all of the above i think there's valid reasons like you just can't have someone walking around yelling people's thoughts but two when you have big secrets it's way bigger of a threat because you could if someone has it you could keep them maintained until they have it under control but yeah but if you have some big secrets but even like in a world not that like the u.s government's perfect but even in like (laughs) a what you would hope to be a pretty civil democracy like no corruption whatever like you don't need the greater people to like know a bunch of secrets but i don't know you could definitely do something different than how they handle it so (laughs) yeah also this person almost reveals what garrick is thinking which is definitely about the rebels wait 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 wait. what happens what did i jeremiah jeremiah points to garrick and you know how he's pointing to everyone and reading their thoughts yeah um he points to Garrick and he says like, Oh shit, they're going to know about, and then gets cut off by, by the professor or by Zayden. It says, and you Jeremiah turns his gaze locking on Garrick. Damn it. All the hell he'll know about those. Those are Garrick's thought thoughts. And then the shadows Zayden sends shadows and covers his mouth. Oh shit. I totally missed that. It was like very chaotic scene. Because yeah. he was just like turning to everyone. I knew he turned to Garrick, but I didn't realize that Zayden covered his mouth with the shadows. Zayden covered his mouth with the shadows. So Garrick was going to say something about either the meeting or about like the rebellion being alive and well, like we know it is somehow. Yeah. yeah. But yeah. Yeah. And then the professor car walks up to Jeremiah grabs his head with both his hands and breaks his neck and he breaks his neck and he falls to the floor dead because his signet is forbidden so just very dramatic very dramatic scene um but the chat if we have nothing else to say about that no i'm ready to get to the next part okay (laughs) so the chapter skips to a dream violet's having she's a young girl with her father in the archives and he tells her You always have to check your sources. Remember that firsthand accounts are always more accurate, but you have to look deeper, Violet. You have to see who is telling the story, which if that's not foreshadowing, I don't know what that is. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So I'm excited to see uh, what she unveils later on. But during this dream, she's hearing, wake, (laughs) wake. And then all of a sudden, wake before you die. And she wakes up from her dream and that was Tarn in her mind telling her to wake up. Um, she's not having a dream now. She has six unbonded cadets in her room and she sees a female bonded cadet leaving, but we don't know who it is. But she must have been the one to unlock the door because she would have powers to do that. And But the six cadets are staring at her armed and ready to kill. 
And, and they don't say who the who the who the bonded one is, but I have guesses. I have yeah. a guess. Who's your guess? Amber fucking Mavis is my guess. <laughs> <laughs> I was thinking that it probably is Amber Mavis or like I just have trust issues and I'm like Rhiannon. <laughs> I know Rhiannon did Rhiannon actually popped into my head first, but I was like I can't I cannot find one single motive at this point Mm-mm. so that's a little bit harder for me amber freaking mavis rule loving whorebag is probably dying that that vi has two dragons and is still like mad over the whole gauntlet thing and because she thinks is she helping shouldn't facilitate. even she shouldn't have even been there because she should have died on gauntlet yeah Which I, think I do get mavis. that i do get that killing violet in her sleep is technically against the rules but i feel like in amber's mind it would be like this is for the greater good like violet was you know jeopardizing our societal structure and like flaunting the rules in our faces blah 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 so i'm locking it in that it's amber mavis and yeah and and amber's not doing the killing she just let them in the room you know nothing no harm no foul um and rihanna doesn't have powers yet so that's Rhiannon so would have true. had to like just get her powers and then that's true i just need to this. trust Rhiannon. she's a good friend um but so a sword like as she jumps out of bed a sword slices her back but her armor um protects her yet again and orin stupid dummy yells her armor's impenetrable i told you um or something like that and he she's fighting as best she can with with Tarn shouting advice as best he can but he's like I can't get to you fast enough like you have to fight and um there's just too many of them she they kind of they corner her and Orin grabs her throat and is like lifting her in the air choking her to death and uh Tarn's like he's almost there but Vi's like who's he <laughs> she's too focused on the fact that she cannot breathe and Orin, <laughs> he that so casually like like <laughs> who's he who's he turn <laughs> i also assumed uh, it was zayden and i was like yes come i assumed it was zayden. is is uh goldie a girl or a boy i thought it was a girl goldie's a girl so i was con- i was confused i think zayden was coming to her well i I don't know that it's Zayden. She did say at some point throughout these chapters that Zayden now has one of the rebels. When I say rebels, I mean rebel kids, blah, blah, blah. They're all rebels. Um, near her at all times. So I assume he had someone nearby stationed at her room also. Like, it, that just seems like what he's doing. Yeah. Um. So it might be whoever that is. Like, who was nearest... Who of the rebels was nearest to her to mm-hmm. technically guard her or... It could be Zayden, but then it seems like Andarna's also on her way. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, because I don't know who he's almost there is. I assume that in the next chapter, we'll find out. But, um, but Orin, you know, whips her around. Her her back is now pressed against his chest. His hands still around her throat, and he whispers, "Your dragon is mine." And his hand lets go, and air. Ru- rushes into her lungs replaced by the knife like he's basically like letting go with his hand but coming around with his other hand with the knife to slit her throat uh but as the first tip of the knife touches her um her neck the bedroom door flies open and on screams mine 
and Violet feels a skin prickling energy down her spine through her fingertips and toes and the room becomes complete silence. Go, Undarna demands. Violet blinks and and realizes the first year in front of her isn't moving, breathing. No one is. And the chapter ends with everyone in this room is frozen in place except me. That was a crazy place to end this chapter <laughs> and this section. I was like, are you kidding me? Like, we don't know who opens the door. We don't know if that's Violet's power or if what's going on. Like, they were ending this in pure chaos in the middle of a scene. Kill me. Kill me. Kill me. Kill me. I know. But, I know. But now that we're recorded, I'm free, free to keep reading. But oh, my God. So, I don't know. OK, I, so we think it's her signet from Und- Undarna. Yes, but. Was in like in Darna was in the building, like opening the door. Like, no, I don't think she opened the door. I think she just sent the power. Okay. Like, maybe she had to get close enough to like send it. Then that is a really freaking powerful signet. Yeah, to just be able to like freeze time. I mean, you could, in theory, freeze everyone in a battle and just kill off everyone on the other side. Yeah. Yeah. Anytime, like, think about how valuable that is for Violet. Like, anytime someone's, like, coming after her, she can just be like, ah, and freeze them and then run away. <laughs> yeah. Like, she's <laughs> basically undefeatable if that's her, if that's her signet. And that's only one of two. I know. I wonder what her other one is. That was a really good chapter. These also, are some of my what- favorite chapters. What do you think? I was mad that we didn't learn like what the relationship between Goldie and BBD is. Like, what do you think it is? I think Goldie's like a really, I don't think she's young. I think she's, I think she's an old dragon. And I don't know what the relationship is. Maybe they, maybe there is something with the, I don't, I don't know. I actually, I don't have a guess. I'm speaking. I have no guesses. <laughs> Sometimes I speak and I hope that a guess just like kind yeah. of forms in my brain, but I really don't know. You have to think. I can't think of anything, but I yeah. also want to know what BBD's old writer was. If that was Their a story. rebel, mm-hmm. I want to know. There's a, I want to know when Violet just officially becomes a rebel. Cause I know that's happening. I want to know mm-hmm. if wyverns exist. Yeah. They do. I'm sh- I'm sure. I'm certain of it. All I'm certain of is this book is so fucking good. <laughs> it's so good. It's so good. Um, my mom. My mom texted me the other day, and like she, I know I cuss, but I get that from my father. Like my mom's pretty. Uh, you know, she's a lady, but she texted me at like one a.m. on the middle of the <laughs> week and was like. Hey, I got home really late and then I started reading and I haven't stopped this book. She put in all caps. This book is so fucking good. (laughs) Julie, I love it. (laughs) It really is. Um, And as much as I complain about having to read slowly, I know that it it actually is also really nice because I get like a little taste of it every week and it's not otherwise I would have finished this three weeks ago and (laughs) I would have nothing else to look forward to except the second book but having to read slowly makes me really savor it you know 
Yeah, and it's like kind of like when you have a week to week TV show. Like, yes. <laughs> like I mean, I'm experiencing. You, um, go ahead. Oh, I was just gonna say you're experiencing even more like strong emotions because I have to wait for the next piece, mm-hmm. so it's even more satisfactory when you actually yeah. see what happens next. Yeah. It's really good. I'm glad you're enjoying and I'm glad you're finding the joy in the in the uh, patience. It's a, well, joy and pain. I'm just I'm recognizing that the, there's highs and lows. <laughs> <laughs> joy and pain go hand in hand. You can't know joy without pain. So true. So true. <laughs> um, also, people keep asking me and I'm curious to get your thoughts. I don't I don't know that this is like a super fair question to to have to answer but I've been thinking about it because it's come up so much so many people when they read this book they're like I liked it even better than Akatar," and people have been asking me that which I don't know that I can really compare because this book is such a different writing style than Sarah J like Sarah J world builds like none other and then gets mm-hmm. into the action like you know three-fourths the way into the book and Rebecca mm-hmm. Yaros literally like tells us all the elements of this world like as it comes up basically yeah so it's like they're very differently paced but I don't know that I can say I feel like everyone's like oh I like fourth wing even better I still feel like I don't know that I can say that yet but I really do like it they're just too different yeah my mom also I was asking my mom that she said she likes fourth wing better she thinks too but but then my cousin Maggie was like I don't know if I like it better yet like she thinks she likes Akatar better still but I don't know. I agree. It's just very different. Like, I feel like I'm reading a different genre because while there was a lot of action in Akatar and Akamath, you were like, there's so much more about relationships in Akatar, Akamath. And like, more of the book, I feel like, is about the relationships because it's like such a slow build and all the action comes more towards the end. So it feels just like a completely different book because we don't really have anything with relationships yet except for like the one kiss with Dane and that was nothing. So it's like I feel like it's they're not comparable. Like That's one was more romance and this is just more action. And I like both in a time and place. Yeah, I agree. And I, I again, I think there's, their styles are so different and I will yeah. forever think it was so smart of Sarah J to give us like the f- entire first book dedicated to Tamlin and then you read the second book and you have to like go back and like uncover all those easter eggs like that was an experience I will never forget when I read those for the first time so yeah I'm not I, also, I don't think I'll ever it, it was also my gateway into fantasy and like the yeah. world I mean outside of Harry Potter or like like it, it was, I mean, this is a different realm of fantasy, right? Like it was my, yeah, it was my gateway. I, I'm not ready to just like start ranking things. Like I just want to love each of my children equally and that be enough. I agree. <laughs> That's beautiful, Sadie. Thank you. <laughs> All right, let's wrap this shindig up so we can get back to reading. <laughs> music to my ears thanks everyone for listening join us next episode for chapters 
19 through 21. Oh God, I'm so excited to read those. Um, in the meantime, <laughs> follow us on Instagram at Gals on Topic. Follow us on TikTok at Gals on Topic. Follow, subscribe on Spotify, on Apple Podcasts. Leave a five-star rating. Leave us a review. Leave a comment. We love hearing for you, from you. And we will see you next week. Can't wait. Bye, guys. Bye.